from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. So, with that being said, welcome in once again, Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, mixlr.com backslash DT, and as well as on facebook.com backslash live now dt we are inside of today's broadcast for halloween and we appreciate you being here the edith glasses are on the traditional black shirt like i said the goatee is looking fresh as ever and i am basking in the tony stark life right now so welcome to the show inside of the charney's menswear and tuxedo studios i hope you are having and i wish you a very happy halloween so i hope all is well with you here for halloween and on today's show what's popping we're going to start off mod pause kettle corn and popcorn factory bringing you what's popping papa joe's picks is going to be the first hour of the show we have so much to get into with papa joe here today it includes my prediction and prognostication i said that jalen ramsey uh, you know i said they should trade him and i and they said for what and i said two number two first round draft picks and they got that i also said before the season started that one of the players that i paid close attention to and covered in college ryan finley of nc state who actually played syracuse in the carrier dome in his last season i said that he was going to eventually get the nod over Andy Dalton, because I feel like Andy Dalton's time was coming to an end in Cincinnati. That's happening this week in NFL Week 9. The Jaguars in London. NCAA has agreed to play the game here, the pay-for-play, that is. We'll talk about the unbeatens, the Week 10 picks that we have, and so much more with Papa Joe. And in the second hour of the show, we'll have Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, will be joining me to speak on so many different topics, including NCAA pay-for-play, the fact that college game day is going to Memphis for the first time ever as SMU takes on Memphis in the big-time nighttime matchup at 7.30 p.m. this Saturday, November 2nd on ABC and so much more. And then you see that P6 helmet. That's for the American Athletic Conference. And I'll be speaking with 10 coaches, Q&As with 10 coaches from around the great, great nation of the United States of America. You'll hear from them in the second hour of the broadcast as well. So with that being said, let's bring him on to the broadcast. And that is the man they refer to as PJ Papa Joe. Papa Joe, how are we doing today? Good morning, Daniel. Everything's fine. Now I, I know you got a little bit of a cold, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell my listeners and my viewers here to to wish you all the best because I know prayers matter and prayers count. And you got a concert to go to tonight, so you got to get uh, feeling better here. I do, I do. Mary and I have our jazz aficionados, and we're going to see the El Acoustic Alchemy tonight in in uh, concert at the Panavidra. Panavidra Stadium, so it'll be a lot of fun. Absolutely, and I hope that you uh, you have a good time. Now, do they do they do Halloween up in your area? You know, in the northern Florida area. I mean, are there kids running out there dressing up and whatnot? Well, there used to be, uh, you know, dozens of them years before, but it it's petered out a little bit. I mean, we live in a nice neighborhood too, and it you would think that we get more traffic, but we haven't. So, uh, uh, you know, we're not going to be home, so it's not going to make any difference. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's that's a, and that's a tough part. You know, I had a Syracuse basketball game last year on Halloween, so I had to pull out of my driveway, and I had bought candy and everything, and the kids are going by, and I felt like I was that, like, 
mean grouch in the street because I wasn't sell, you know, giving away my candy and whatnot. But right. you know, I, I will be doing some some candy giveaway today, so I'm excited about it. And like I told you, I, I am Iron Man Tony Stark uh-huh. in the morning, and I am becoming the Joker tonight. So I'm going from Marvel right into DC tonight. Oh, you have a lot of fun with that. I definitely will. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about, PJ. Ryan Finley, NC State, stand strong in the pocket. You know, obviously a, a tall quarterback, looks the part, has great footwork, can can throw that ball deep down the field. I loved watching him. I thought any team was going to be lucky to have him. When the Bengals picked him up in the fourth round, I said, look out Andy Dalton because this guy's going to get an opportunity at some point, and I thought he would get one this season. My belief and my prognostication, as I said before, did come true as Andy Dalton has been benched. He is not injured. He is being benched for Ryan Finley. What do you think about the fact that the Andy Dalton era may be over in Cincinnati? Oh, that's tough for Dalton. I always thought he was a good quarterback. He still, he still is a good quarterback. And I think that he uh, he had a good receiver in green. I think those two guys remind me of Julio Jones and uh, Matt Ryan from uh, from Atlanta. But Finley, uh, we've seen him play down here in the south. He's a big, tall, strong guy, as you said. He's not going to disappoint. You know, he's going to get his chance, uh, sort of like with Minshew, you know. Uh, I know it's not, he's not going to, he just, he's replacing Dalton because of uh, ineffectiveness. But, you know, Minshew uh, came aboard early in his career and Finley's getting a chance here to, to make it good. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Yeah, you know, and, and Ryan Finley, I mean, we look at this situation, you know, if we look around the league, whether it was by injury or benching, or trade, you know, whatever happened, you know, movements that were made and bringing guys in and whatnot. We're looking at the fact that the NFL is obviously got some different, get different players out there. Miami doesn't have Ryan Tannehill anymore. They're starting Ryan Fitzpatrick. They brought over Josh Rosen, who was a former early round draft pick. He hasn't found footing anywhere. Lamar Jackson, as I stated before, another prediction and belief that I had was that Lamar would be successful in their system in Baltimore. He's been successful there. Ryan Finley stepping in as a rookie in Cincinnati. Baker Mayfield supposed to be part of the new era in Cleveland. That's not working out. Pittsburgh has Mason Rudolph with the injury to Ben Roethlisberger. The Indianapolis Colts have to had to deal with a, a very late decision of Andrew Luck to retire at 29. So Jacoby Brissett's there. Jacksonville has had Gardner Minshew the second. Tennessee has Ryan Tannehill after benching Marcus Mariota, the former number two draft pick has been benched there. Denver's trying to figure out Joe Flacco and looking to the future with Drew Locke. Kansas City's had to play Matt Moore with an injury to Pat Mahomes. It, you know, it, it goes, it go, it continues to just go down the line. The Giants have decided to play Daniel Jones and bench Eli Manning. His era looks like it's over there. The Redskins can't figure out who to play. They have Case Keenum. They have Dwayne Haskins, the rookie. Apparently, they don't believe in him. Chicago's had to go to Chase Daniel with Mitchell Trubisky being out the Green Bay Packers obviously have Aaron Rodgers but they've had to go to different things in recent history here Carolina's gone to Kyle Allen and Will Greer is there Cam Newton's era might be over Teddy Bridgewater is playing for the Saints with Drew Brees being out Arizona is playing the number one pick Kyler Murray San Francisco finally has a healthy Jimmy Garoppolo I mean Papa Joe that I mean it's it's a long-winded response but that's the truth out of 32 NFL teams, the overwhelming majority are going through quarterback changes. What do you think about that? Well, it, it goes to show you that the, the, the GMs and the, the coaches uh, are looking to get two strong quarterbacks, uh, like a 1-1A, one one 
on their rosters because you, you don't know what's going to happen. Ineffectiveness is, is, of course, one of them, like with Dalton and uh, injury like Minshew. You, 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 you can't figure this stuff out. I mean, you've got to have people ready to play, and especially uh, a quarterback. I mean, you, you can't have enough quarterbacks. I wouldn't be surprised that, that, the, that uh, the team start carrying three quarterbacks instead of two. I think they essentially do because they got one on the on the practice squad. But you know, it's 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 good. It's it's fresh. Uh, I want to see Finley throw the ball. I've always uh, enjoyed watching him play at NC State, and he can he can fling it. So, as Coach uh, Spurrier said, he just pitched the ball along the yard. That's what he does real well. <laughs> yeah, and it's going to be interesting. But seeing the end of of Andy Dalton, you know, potentially here in Cincinnati, and seeing the end of Eli Manning, how strange is that for you? Because seemingly they've you know, they've been around for such a long time. You know, Andy, no matter what happened, Cincinnati was making the playoffs pretty consistently. You know, Eli was the irony of being on the Giants, but being a giant killer and being one of the only quarterbacks to defeat Tom Brady. So, you know, and the Patriots and Bill Belichick. So, I mean, what's what's the world like now in, in this changing of the guard, knowing that Andy Dalton and Eli Manning are coming to the close of their careers, or at least the close of their career where they were. You know, I don't understand why some of these pundits uh, start bad mouthing Eli Manning the way they did. I mean, the guys won two Super Bowls. I mean, sure, he's not the the very, very best, best, best of quarterbacks, but he he's been solid for years. I mean, uh, I, I don't get that. Of course, it's it's time to move on and get the young guy in there because they they drafted him first. But you know, you got to give the guys some respect. Like throwing Joe Flacco out of out of Baltimore for Lamar Jackson. Come on, Lamar Jackson's not going to go anywhere. He's a great athlete. He's a fair quarterback. If he wins the game's fine, but they're not going to win any championships with him. Flacco was there. I mean, I would like to have seen uh, Lamar, you know, maybe sit another year to learn a little bit something more instead of spinning all around, running around the pocket and stuff. Uh, it's, 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 it's difficult to see these old guys go by, but maybe it's time for a change. And apparently the coaches and the GMs think that's the time is now, so they've made the changes. That coming from Papa Joe this morning as you sit in studio with uh, Tony Stark filling in for Dan Tortora here this morning inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. A happy Halloween to everybody out there. And whatever you're dressing up as and whatever you're doing, most important thing, remember to be safe and to go out there and have some good, clean fun. Papa Joe, we, we've spoken on the, the quarterback situations and what's going down in that respect. But on the, you know, other things to get to, the Jaguars are in London this week. And the funny thing about this is Shad Khan owns Wembley Stadium. So everybody for years was asking me, are the Jaguars going to move to London? Are they going to move to London? They keep playing a home game in London. Obviously, they're the team that's there the most. They're going to leave Jacksonville. And I said over and over and over again, they spent $60 million on the renovations to the stadium they got those two giant video boards. They had Carrie Underwood unveil all that stuff. They had Daly's Place that was built there. They're looking to expand and continue to grow and blossom that entire area around the water for Jacksonville and the stadium and TIAA Bank Field. I mean, this is a great, awesome place. Like, you, you know, we've talked about before, big-time college games play there. So with all of that being said, I laughed it off. And then there's the reality of even more so why I can laugh it off. Shad Khan owns Wembley Stadium. So when they go, well, I mean, he, he, he has, he has, you know, he has the rights to a lot of things over there. And so he essentially is paying himself to bring his team across the pond. 
What do you think about the Jaguars before we get to the game this weekend? What do you think about the Jacksonville Jaguars being the team that London sees more than any other team over the last decade? All right, Khan is no dummy. He's a businessman to begin with, not a sports fan. And he uh, he I've read a lot I've read a lot about him. He's a real sharp man. Uh, makes the right decisions, has piled up billions and billions of dollars. What he's done is increased the bottom line uh, of Jacksonville by about 11% by going to London. That may sound strange to your listeners because it costs so much money to fly over there and then uh, put the team up. But he, he increases his bottom line by 11% by going over there. So he treats it as a, as a home game. And frankly, he needs all the income he can get in Jacksonville because the Jacksonville people just don't spend enough uh, to, to warrant a big time team here. It's sad to say that, but that's always been the case. Uh, small market team, you're correct in saying that. Uh, and Khan knows what he's doing. So he'll take advantage of that situation and take the money that goes with it to stabilize his own franchise here. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And it was, it's supposed to be a, I mean, it's, and it's gone back and forth here, but it was supposed to be an $800 billion deal. <laughs> Yeah. Or eight hundred million dollars, I think. Here, eight hundred million, not billion. But I mean, they, I mean, sh- I mean, you think about the amount of money that's being thrown bracket back and forth here, and so you know, obviously he has a connection to it. He has some money to be made from from it, some money to be had from it. But I mean, you just talk about an owner that's nestled in Jacksonville, Jacksonville, and the and the thought by people of you know the the, the fact of you know are they going to leave? Are they going to this? Are they going to that? The fact that they have so much money, you know, the the Khan family, I mean, they can really just do what they wish. And uh, to, to have him nestled in Jacksonville, is it strange, you know, to you to be in, in northern Florida and to have somebody with, you know, the wealth and the stature that he has just being nestled in little old Jacksonville with the opportunity to continue to, you know, expand and, and grow and, and obviously do a lot of great things for the city? No, you know. Khan is a tough guy to read. As I stated earlier, he's a businessman, and he's not going to let anything stay in his way. If he's losing money, he's gone, uh, which is why he wants to augment his bottom line by doing things like going to London, as strange as it seems. He's a tough guy to read. You don't know which way he's coming from, uh, but he is a decision maker, and he will he'll make the best decision. <clears throat> the buck stops with him. There's no one else that's going to... Uh, that's going to help him make these decisions. Now on his football decisions, he's got Coughlin and Marone. <clears throat> but don't be surprised if things don't come to snuff here <clears throat> quickly here for the Jacksonville, that he'll sit down by himself and he'll figure out, is this the way, is this what, is this what I want to do with Jacksonville? Do I want to bring in another coach and another GM to try to get me a championship at Jacksonville? He, he, may, he may say that, you know, it's just not working here and, you know, I got to do something. I got to sell it, or I got to do something else. So, uh, is a, he's he's tough. He's tough. But I I enjoy listening to him. Enjoy reading about him. He's a sharp guy. No, absolutely. And 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 I do want to uh, make my apologies here, as I thought that he had officially bought it, and he did not. So he had put out a bid for it, and it was supposed it was supposed to be for seven hundred and eighty eight million dollars, allegedly around that number. And it looked like things weren't going to go through. So he said that it's not possible at this time. So I have said in the past that he pays himself. He would have paid himself to do this. But this, as it currently stands, he does not own it. But, yeah, I mean, you, like you said, he has to make a decision with Doug Marone. And, 
you know, where does that decision come? Because they beat Cincinnati, they beat the Jets. I, I had said to you, if they had lost those games, I couldn't see how Tom Coughlin and Shad Khan would be keeping Doug Marone. But I mean, where are we at this point? You know, does Doug, does Doug have safety with his job? Is there a future with this? Are they going to let him kind of pan out and see what he can do? Or are you going to, you know, inevitably, you know, move to the future? Because I, I don't think that, you know, Tom Coughlin thinks this team's going to the Super Bowl this year. He's trying to win a divisional title is what he put out in a statement after moving Jalen Ramsey via trade. So, you know, where do you think the whole world is right now with Doug Marone in Jacksonville? Well, um, Khan's got a tough decision to make, as, as Coughlin does in, in Marone. Next week, uh, Foles is scheduled to come off the IR and, and going to go into to play in his position. Uh, that's a very difficult decision to make right now. If the kid wins in, in London and puts on a good show, uh, we've talked about this before, it'd be extremely difficult to not play him. I mean, if, if it's a financial decision that Khan's got to make and he has to buy out Foles, imagine that. Signing a guy for $88 million, less than one quarter of a game plate, and he's out for the, almost the entire year, and, his, and he sees his investment laying down on the bottom of the field. Uh, it's, it'd be tough for him to take that. But if Minshaw is moving a team like he's been doing and, and exciting the team and winning, uh, you almost got to go with him. I mean, I, I, I feel for Foles because I've been in his corner since he got in the league, but it's a tough decision. I look for, I don't know how Marone is going to handle this. Uh, if Minshaw wins this week weekend, I don't think, I don't think Foles plays. But if if Minshaw loses and maybe does some goofy things, those interception or fumbles or something like that, which he's prone to do, uh, maybe maybe we'll see Foles. Uh, I, I try to get a lot of information down here, uh, but there's not there's not a lot being said about that that thing. Marone does not even want to broach it. He said, I, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about playing this game this week. I don't worry about next week and so on and so on. He's not He's not even messing with the question. So the, the pundits down here just know enough not to even bring it up to him. Well, you know, and that's the thing, speaking here with Papa Joe this morning, talking pigskin, college football week 10 and the NFL week 9, and uh, thoughts on the Jaguars currently right now inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. And for those of you tuning in, wondering why I'm wearing sunglasses indoors, as I told you that I don't do that. Well, today I'm wearing my Edith glasses that I had originally given to Peter Parker, but I came back from the dead and took them back because today I am Iron Man. So with that being said, and every day I'm Iron Man for that matter. So that being said, we are having the conversation about the Jacksonville Jaguars this morning and, and Gardner Minshew as, as well as uh, Nick Foles. And, and here's the thing, Papa Joe, and, and I brought this up before, you know, with Gardner Minshew <clears throat> and what he's been able to do, he's played from the first week. He started seven out of eight games. He played in the first game because that's when Nick Foles went down. As Dave Caldwell, the GM of the team, reminded me when we spoke this past weekend inside a locker room, he said, you know, the quarterback that we went out and got played 12 snaps. That's it. So Nick Foles, $88 million quarterback, played only 12 snaps so far this season. And after that, you know, Gardner Minshew comes and steps in. And we see Gardner Minshew and, and what he's done up to this point. He's got the team 2-2. Two and two. 
in you know inside or the team is pardon me four and four overall and they're two and two at home they got back to even at home got back to even overall there's still a shot for them a, a very viable shot for them to win the AFC South so with that being said you got that situation going on he was able to help you weather the storm of Jalen Ramsey because everybody was paying attention to headbands and long hair and and, and facial hair so not only has he been great for you on the field, he's been great for you in PR. He costs next to nothing. He's kept your team positive, and people for almost completely forgot, in, in my opinion, being in Jacksonville. I don't even think people were sitting there thinking about Jalen Ramsey. So, you know, they took the, he took the air away from that. He, took, he made the positive so big that the negative was gone. He's done so well on the field. The team is still in potential of getting to the playoffs, still in potential of winning their division. So how do you move a guy that has done all of those things for you just by simply saying, well, this is the guy we paid a lot of money to? Uh, impossible situation for those guys to ascertain. It, it, and it's going to come down to figures, though. Not experience because, frankly, Minshew is not a rookie anymore. He's played eight games. <laughs> so uh, he, he, he knows what he's doing already. You know, the Jags have, have got some problems. Uh, I noticed this morning that they put Marquise Lee – uh, on the injured reserve, and they released uh, Alfred Blue from the injured reserve. So those kind of guys that we watched over the years, especially Lee, I really liked him as a wide receiver. So he's going to be gone. So you put all these all these ramifications together for for the the powers to be to figure this thing out, and it's going to take more than one afternoon sitting down with the powers to be to figure out what to do with Minshew. Uh, do you trade him because he's hot right now, or do you trade? Foles, or maybe Denver would want Foles uh, if Joe Flacco's hurt over there. There's all sorts of scenarios that, that they could do. Uh, me, uh, I want to give Foles another shot. I want to. I know what Foles can do, and most football fans know what Foles can do. Uh, he's a good quarterback, better than good quarterback, better than average quarterback. He's a Super Bowl winner. He's an MVP Super Bowl guy, so he's he can do the job. I want to see him get the chance. Not because I don't much care for Minshew. I do care for Minshew. I think he's a wonderful young man. He brings great, a great amount of spirit to the team. But I think it's Foles jobs to lose, not because of injury. Well, yeah, and that, I mean, to me, that's the hard part. And if you put in Nick Foles and he loses his first two games, do you go right back to Gardner Minshew? And, you know, at that point, have you messed with the team and have you messed with the mojo? I mean, there's a, I mean, you, you kind of, you're supposed to play the hot hand. So, you know, I, I almost wonder if you just have Gardner go throughout the rest of the season and then figure out if Foles is going to start in the off season. I, I, I don't know because I mean, we've seen this before, right? And, it, and on a different scale with different players, but you know, with By, Byron Leftwich and, and David Garrard, we saw that before. You know, with Garrard and and, and Leftwich, one of the guys gets hurt. And, you know, the team is able, you know, one guy steps in, they're able to make the playoffs, and then they go back to, you know, their injured guy who hasn't played a game in three, four weeks, and he's not the one that got him in the playoffs, and he goes and plays in the game, and they end up losing the game, and he doesn't look good. So, I, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you do that? And how do you take the ball away from Gardner Minshew and say, hey, you've done all this work for us, but, you know, this is the guy we paid a lot of money to. We want to see what happens. I... I'm just concerned with the fact that Jacksonville is kind of, I mean, they don't look perfect, but they've looked pretty well all season. And let's be real about it. This team could easily have six or seven wins at this point because they played games so close 
and they played it down to the wire, and Gardner Minshew had an opportunity to be a game winner at least three times. He did win one of them, but when they went for two, the ball was out of his hands. It was with Leonard Fournette, and they lost that game by one against Houston, and, you know, they still had life on the road a few weeks after that. So, you know, how do you how do you take the ball away and, and, and not change the chemistry of the team? And that's what I'm concerned about is the chemistry. That's true. I don't think Foles has had enough time to work with his first-string wide receivers because he, he was in camp the whole time, of course, but he didn't play. And uh, play, playing speed is a lot different than, than the practice speed. It, it, it's going to be very difficult. Uh, I would like to see this. I think if, if uh, Minshew wins in, in, uh, in London, let him keep the job for another week at least. If he screws up, bring in Foles. And if Foles doesn't do the job, then you know your answer. Then you know your answer. you got to get rid of Foles and stay with Minshew. But Moreau's got a tough job, and, and so does Coughlin. So they're going to have to come up with something. Because, you know, the fans, there's nothing wrong with Nick Foles. I mean, he's a nice young man, a really polite, nice young guy. And it, it, it's kind of hard to see him sit there and wonder whether – he's going to play football again or if he's going to play football for the Jaguars. So uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a tough situation. It's a terrible situation, although it's a real good situation. So, you know, Minshew is a, Minshew is a breath of fresh air, but Foles is a, is a proven pro. Uh, I'd like to see him have at least one more shot. And there's also the reality that, you know, when Nick Foles was asked to be the guy with the Rams, he wasn't good. When he was asked to be the guy with the chiefs, he wasn't good. But when he came off the bench, for Philadelphia, that's when he got him in the playoffs. That's when he got him in the playoffs again. He won a Super Bowl. So maybe the best bet is to keep him on the bench in case, you know, in case there is an injury or something that happens to Minshew, and God willing, there won't be. And you never, ever want to see that happen. But, you know, Nick Foles has kind of proven in his career that he's the best closer in the NFL currently right now. So maybe you leave him on the bench until you need him. Well, that's a good point. Uh you know, Minshaw, he's he's young, he's got a lot of energy, and he moves around in the pocket great, and he runs. Uh, but my interpretation of being playing quarterback in the NFL is just, I go back centuries. I just don't like to see these quarterbacks running around. You are a quarterback. You're not a running back. You're not a wide receiver. You know, the guys that are jitterbugging all over the place, all it takes is one hit and they're down. If Jackson gets hurt, he's over with. It's done. If little Murray runs around in Arizona, gets hurt, he's done. You know, you play quarterback in this league to run your team, not run the ball, run your team. Uh, I, I want to see Jackson do well. I think he's a fine young man. He's a hell of an athlete. I just don't know what kind of quarterback he's going to make. If they have a strong defense up there, then, then maybe he'll win some playoff games, maybe even a Super Bowl. But, I, I, you know, there's a chance Minshew could get hurt the way he moves around a lot, as how I described the other quarterbacks. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, there is that opportunity, and no matter what anybody says about Blake Bortles, that was a guy who could run the ball when he needed to run the ball, and he stayed healthy. I mean, that man got hit a lot, and he stayed healthy, so I give him a lot of credit for yeah, what he's, he's done. Man too. He is. He's a big guy, he's a you big know. Man. Yeah. Powerful player. 
And so we're going to get into so much more. We're going to take a fast break really quick here. I do want to make a note here, Papa Joe, though. Uh, one or two, or two things here. You and I and Miss Mary all had the Astros, and so did Ross. So, you know, the, the, the Nationals go up 2-0. to oh, Then the, the Houston responds with a 3-0 to oh run. And then the Nationals come and they win the last two games. And not only that, are the Nationals World Series champions for the first time ever in their history. They do it by trading away, getting rid of shedding Bryce Harper. And, oh, by the way, on top of, on top of, on top of that, the winning pitcher in the World Series Game 7 for the Nationals, Pat Corbin. What's Pat Corbin done? Well, he's been on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Why? Because he used to be the Arizona Diamondbacks pitcher. And on top of that, what else did he do? He played for CNS, Cicero North Syracuse, right here in central New York. So the winning pitcher of Game 7 of the World Series is a central New York native. Yeah, that, uh, it was fun to watch the whole seven games. I've never seen a series like that where the opposing teams won in each other's park and didn't win a home a home game. Uh, very unusual. Uh, A.J. Hinch got out coached last night. He should have never taken Greinke out of the game, even though Brendan took uh, uh, Greinke yard. Uh, he wasn't. He still had it. Only he'd only thrown something like sixty-five pitches, and. It, Greinke's a Cy Young Award winner. He knows what he's doing out there. I think if they'd have left him in, it'd have been a different story. But, you know, uh, Pinch is being paid the big money to make those decisions. So uh, now they got to think about it all winter long. Absolutely, as the Nationals get that dub. We're going to take a step aside here for a fast break on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. We're in hour number one of our Halloween edition. And as you can see right next to me, I am Iron Man. And if, and if that hasn't been proven... Look at that new license plate that we're going to be putting on the vehicle. So you are here right now this Halloween with Dan Totora, a.k.a. Tony Stark, inside of the Charney's Menswear in Tuxedo Studios, 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. We are inside of this Halloween edition. What's popping is Papa Joe in hour number one. He is right there, brought to you by Mon Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory. And we have been discussing the Jaguars in London, their conundrum of having Nick Foles coming back as he's been throwing in practice and whatnot. So the conundrum of that with Gardner Minshew, and we have also discussed the multiple, multiple teams, a majority of teams in the NFL dealing with quarterback changes this year, as well as the World Series and a local CNY product winning in those world in that World Series this year. Pat Corbin getting the dub, and then Ryan Finley and Andy Dalton with the change happening in Cincinnati. So, with that being said, Papa Joe, the NCAA has decided to respond to California in a very quick way, a lot faster than I thought they would. And they have made the decision that they will unanimously, I believe that the vote was unanimous here, that the NCAA will approve the opportunity for their divisions, NCAA Division 1, 2, and 3. And Junior College, I know California was working on that, so we'd have to see what that's what, how that's going to work. But NCAA has approved that student athletes will have the opportunity to make money off of their name, image, and likeness. So pay for play is going to happen. They won't get paid by the university. They won't get paid by the NCAA, but they can get paid by endorsements now. Thoughts on the fact that the NCAA caved to to California and now amateur sports as we know it may be over. I don't know what the NCAA is doing. I don't know what they're thinking about. Uh, 
this is this is this is bothersome to me. Uh, I want to see the kids first of all get a quality education, and it costs well over a hundred thousand dollars to put these kids through three and four year schools. You know, to me that's a lot of money. Um, so a kid's a five a five star athlete coming out of high school. He's a freshman in, in college. He's a starting quarterback for the University of Florida, and he gets to sell his image. I don't get it. I don't get it. I, uh, you know, the basketball kids are are probably not going to share in this. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna co- they're gonna go to college for a half a year, not not even go to class if they're one and done. So how do they now? now on top of that, these kids got to get agents. Yeah. Uh, what? Are, why do you want to give the kid an opportunity to deal with an agent, the scum guys of the earth? When there's 18 and 19 years old, when he should be going to school, learning things. Like I don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I want to see the kids excel. but I want to see them excel in the classroom, especially football players. I mean, most of these these uh, football schools now uh, are really paying attention to our graduation rates, and a lot of them are well over 75 percent four and five years uh, into into the kids' uh, career. So. Uh, is this another way of keeping the kids in school? Uh, just you know, they can make money by their images and keep them in school. Maybe the the one and done kids want to stay in school for another year, and make a little extra money. I I don't get it. I don't I don't like it, and I don't get it. Yeah, you know, it doesn't seem to make a, a lot of sense to me. Uh, that's uh, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I shouldn't say it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I I, I should because I've seen a lot of different angles of this, and I see it from the players' point of view, and I see it you know, from the school's point of view and, and, and whatnot. The reality of it all is we live in a world right now where the NCAA says that they're a not-for-profit organization, but they make billions upon billions of dollars, okay? That is number one. Number two, we look at the fact that schools make all of this money and that a lot of these schools, how would they exist without athletics? How would Syracuse University function without athletics? So you look at something like that and say, okay, well, they lean on the back of the players, but they're not giving them anything. Then we look at the fact that some of these players don't translate. You know, the NCAA said itself, what, 4% of their student athletes are, are going to do something else after playing in college. They're not going to be professional athletes. So if that's, you know, the case and that's the truth, then let's say you make, you know, you're Syracuse and you make $200,000 off of your starting quarterback in their time there. And then that quarterback goes and becomes, you know, a, a, an agent or goes and becomes a you know a pilot or whatever it may be or a doctor and so they're making money or maybe they just go become a teacher you know and, and or they or they start their own business so they're not making millions and millions of dollars you know coming out of the gate and whatnot so they say okay well I made you two hundred thousand and I'm never going to play it down in the NFL so you know I deserve some of that money because you sold my jersey you sold my likeness you know ea sports people are excited that the ncaa football game might be back now since that went away when the ncaa was unwilling to pay for image and likeness so you know there's so many different things that i get on the player side but on the other side of it and i brought this up this week as well with joe adam is what happens when your starting quarterback at Florida makes more than your starting quarterback at Georgia what happens when your receiver in Florida let's call him Bob Smith Bob Smith goes and gets a hundred thousand dollar endorsement deal and then Tim Higgins he's out there and he gets fifty thousand dollars 
So now they're pissed off at each other because this guy's being told he's worth half of Bob Smith and they're on the same team. Now they want to catch the ball. Now they want to run routes. Now they're crossing routes in front of each other because now Higgins wants to show he's better than Bob Smith. So now he's trying to play up against his own player and try to catch those balls and saying to the quarterback, you know, you give me the ball so I could get more publicity so I can get a bigger endorsement. Then you got companies saying, hey, we're the Buick dealership and we went out there and you know, uh, we, we took, you know, Carly Smith of UConn and, and we said we're going to back her for $150,000 and Gino Ariama, you're not playing Carly Smith. And we want you to play Carly Smith because we put money into her. We invested into her. So now we're getting involved. I, I just feel like this is a world of players are going to fight with players. Teams are going to fight with teams. You know, inside, you know, what school you go to, where can you make the most money? And then businesses are going to get involved because if they back somebody and they endorse somebody and that person gets hurt or that person sitting on the bench or that person gets in trouble, now they want to take the money back. And then the student might ask the school to get involved, but the school can't get involved. So it's a, it's a cluster is what I'm trying to say. It is. It is. It is. It's, it's, it's terrible to even think about what the ramifications of this could be down the road. Imagine Scott Boris coming to your, knocking on your door when your kid's 17 years old, getting ready to go to college and explaining to the parents, well, look at I can make your son a lot of money even before he starts, uh, even before he starts college because he's got such a good reputation. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. There's a kid that's, uh, uh, that's plays in, in Michigan who's supposed to be the next LeBron James, uh, if there is such a thing. The kid is a, multi-dimensional super five star 10 star 20 star player going to be one and done probably he's probably going to go from high school right into uh right into the well, college now he's going to miss out on something like that except he's going to make a lot of money because he signs if he had to go to school for one year then the, the earning potential for him would be enormous because he's he has said he's on the cover of sports illustrated he's yeah. 17 years old yeah come on i mean the pressure's enormous. So, you know, hey, I, I wish everyone luck, but I don't I don't like it and I don't see it. Well, and here's the thing. <clears throat> we look at the reality that as this is going on, you know, one of the things that, that, that you look to that you can get in trouble for is collusion, which by definition is secret or illegal cooperation or conspiracy, especially in order to cheat or deceive others. What do we do with collusion now? Because, I mean, agents can collude with, I mean, an agent can go to a university and go, hey, you work with me and I'm going to bring you these players because I can promise them X, Y, and Z. I can do this. I can do that. You know, and then there's there's going to be some people that are uneducated and, and, and not well versed in this that are not going to understand what's going on and they're going to be taken advantage of. And, you know, as Joe Adams said as a coach at the D2 level for St. Anselm for the Hawks, he said to me on the show yesterday, he said, you know, we work every single day to keep agents away from our players. If you let them in now and you let this be a part of it now, now you're the head coach trying to talk to your player and your player's going, no, 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 I'm not going to talk to you unless my agent's here. Or, oh, you're not going to start me this week? Okay, well, I'm going to let my agent know we're going to go to Georgia now. Because now the transfer portal is there and people are abusing that. So you got the transfer portal, you got, and the thing is, Papa Joe, whenever you involve money, there is always going to be problems because money is the root of what? All evil. So right. Now, the NCAA has got a fisher cut bait. 
they either have to go all the way with us or none at all. They've already they've already intimated that they sort of like the idea of what California is doing. This is their way of sweetening the pot, saying, "Okay, we'll start out this way. Hey, if you're going to do it, open it all up or don't open it at all." Well, and here's the question: NCAA Division Two can give scholarships. NCAA Division One can give scholarships. But NCAA Division Three, as I know when I was recruited, there's no scholarship. So here's here's the thing. What do you do? Because now you're telling an NCAA Division Three player, hey, as the NCAA, we don't believe you deserve a free education, but you can go out like everybody else and you can go get an endorsement. So let's say I go back in time. I tell Marywood, okay, you know what? You know what, Coach Grunman? I do want to try out for the team. Thank you for the phone call. I will be out there at practice, or I'll be out there at tryouts this this Saturday. I'm going to do it. So I go out there, and you tell me I can't get a free education, but now I can get endorsed. Now I can make some money. So now I'm going to have to try and pay for my education. So if you're a D3 athlete, you're practicing, you're lifting, you're running, you're playing games, you're watching film, you're doing what D2 and D1 does, but you're not getting a free education. So you're telling D2 and D1, we're going to pay for your education, and you have the right to make yourself money, where D3 athletes don't have a free education, and they're going to use their endorsements to try and pay their bills so that they don't have to have student debt when they get out of school. So it's a different world for Division Three. So you say Fisher cut bait. I say the same thing with Division Three. Either treat them like Division One and Two, and if you're going to allow them to get endorsements, then pay for their education, or cut bait with them and let them have their own body and figure it out because it's not fair to say to Division Three athletes, use your endorsements to pay your bills when the bills are already paid for D1 and D2. That's true. Um, you know, in, in St. Augustine, we have a, a small uh, college, Flagler College, and uh, they're perennially one of the better baseball teams in uh, their Division Two way, I think, or NAIA, something like that. They're small, you know, yeah. but... When you drive around the St. Augustine, you look on the billboards and they got the team flashed up there. They got some of the players flashed up there. You go downtown somewhere, you see posters with some of the players on there. You go see, look at another uh, highway sign and it's got the, their best teams uh, plastered on, on the, the marquee. And I'm wondering if, if those kids should, should share on that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, but that first thing that crossed my mind is I wonder what they're going to do from my little old Flagler kids right here, which is only 2,500 people going to school and half of them don't have scholarships to play baseball. Yeah. So if you're, if you're on a billboard in St. Augustine, aren't you do, aren't you do some money if that's the case? Well, yeah. And that's the thing in Syracuse, ironically used to have all their athletes on a billboard right by the dome. And then they took them off and just put their logo. And I was like, maybe they were thinking in advance going, we can't buy those billboards. Cause then they're going to ask for that money. But you know, if you got Tommy DeVito out there doing this, that, and whatever, and you got Elton Robinson wearing his jersey and doing this and that, then, you know, then you owe money. But then there's the other issue of all the athletes that have come through, like Leonard Fournette said. Leonard Fournette said, he's like, you know, if they're going to do this now, he's like, I would have made millions when I was in college. So, you know, that's a that's another piece of it and another issue that, you know, we have because it's not retroactive as, as most things aren't. So... With that being said, we're going to take our final step aside of the broadcast. 
Papa Joe and I opening the door that I will continue with the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco, speaking on what's happening here with the NCAA changes and whatnot. Papa Joe and I have the college week 10 to look at. We also have to look at the unbeatens. We're inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, and you are enjoying today's broadcast, courtesy of Edith, who technologically has made everything fit so nicely here for your guy Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man. Inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. And folks, happy, happy Halloween. Mon Paz Pet Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory brings you what's pop in the list of topics for every single broadcast and who's coming up on the show today we are with papa joe every thursday from 9 a.m to 10 a.m minimum here on the broadcast he is with us to talk about pigskin and so much more and today in hour number two at 10 15 a.m eastern time we'll be joined by the commissioner of the american athletic conference mike oresco we have a lot to discuss and we will be doing that live with mike in just a few minutes and then of course that helmet for the p6 shows you that the american athletic conference coaches are back on wake up call Week 10 is where we're at with college football, and I am talking to the coaches from around the country, and you'll hear my Q&As with them, courtesy of the American Athletic Conference Coaches Teleconference, coming up here in the second hour of the broadcast. So, with that being said, as we have Papa Joe here with us this morning, it is time for us to get into some interesting information that I had uh, released this this uh, last night. And so I want to read this off to PJ. Two big things here. These are the one-loss football teams through nine weeks of college football. The ACC has one in Wake Forest. The Big 12 has one in Oklahoma. Conference USA has Louisiana Tech as one. The Pac-12 has two with Oregon and Utah. Mountain West has two with Boise State and San Diego State. The SEC has two with Florida and Georgia. And the AAC, which you'll like the commissioner you'll hear from in just a few minutes, the American Athletic Conference has the most one-loss teams in the country. Three, with Cincinnati, Navy, and Memphis all bowl eligible. Papa Joe, when I read this off to you and tell you that the AAC has the most, thoughts on, on overall, you know, the teams that only have one loss in the country right now? Well, they, they deserve the accolades, of course, but you know, they're not playing they're not playing the best of teams. Uh, you know, you have to. You can write all you want about these teams and uh, how they're how good they are and what good coaches and stuff like that. You got to play it on the field. And uh, the last time I saw one of these teams beat anyone was UCF uh, beat Auburn. Wasn't that UCF beat Auburn? Yeah. And uh, but you know they they sh- they should be commended on a, a great balance in their league. Uh, but they're not. They're, look at we even got some one A undefeated teams that are not even in the breath. Uh, of the top four. So it's difficult for them to get any type of recognition at all. And we look at the fact, and we talk about those unbeatens. The American Athletic has one in SMU. The ACC has one in Clemson. The Big 12 has one in Baylor. The Big 10 has three. They lead the way with Ohio State, Penn State, Minnesota. But one of those will lose this week as Penn State plays Minnesota. The SEC has two in Alabama and LSU. They won't play this week. They'll play next week against one another, so that'll make a decision. And the Sun Belt has one with Appalachian State. Thoughts on this? The Pac-12 doesn't have any. The ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10, and the SEC all have representation. The American Athletic has SMU, and the Sun Belt has Appalachian State, which, mind you, lost their head coach, Scott Satterfield, to Louisville, and they've continued with their new coaching staff to have success as they've had success in recent history with Satterfield. They're undefeated right now 
and they represent the Sun Belt. So thoughts on this? You know, the Big Ten with three, the SEC with two, Big Twelve with one, Clemson and the AC, or, uh, the ACC and the American with one, and, and the Sun Belt, like I mentioned, with one undefeated as well. Well, we've talked about this a couple of years now about the possibility of increasing the field for the uh, for the championship from four to maybe six or eight teams. Uh, it, it's not going to be fair, frankly, if SMU or Baylor go on, goes undefeated. They're not going to be invited to this dance. Yeah, it's not it's not fair. Uh, and Appalachian State and you know a lot of one good, a lot of good one loss teams. It's strength of schedule. You know, we're talking about uh, another great football game this afternoon or this weekend for your listeners to watch another great SEC football game with Florida and Georgia. And it seems like there's always a big game, and you've heard me say this all the time, there's always a big game every week in the SEC that shapes the framework of what's going to happen. Now, it's, it's very distinctly possible that LSU and Alabama could make the Final Four. There's no doubt about that. And then you throw Clemson. I got to throw Ohio State in there. So you got the rest of the teams are, are floundering around with no place to go except a good bowl, and they make a lot of money. So is it fair? No. You know, it's unfortunate. But the big schools pay the money, and the big schools make the money. Well, and, and that's the thing is this, if we look at it right now and we look at the situation <clears throat> that we're in right now, the reality of it all is – Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson are my final four at this moment in time. But like you said, you know, SMU is climbing the charts. And, you know, it's obviously a team I cover closely with covering the entire American. So SMU right now is 15th in the AP, 14 in the coaches poll. So we're seeing what they're doing. Appalachian State is 20 in both polls. So, you know, they're they're rising as well. Baylor, who has former Temple head coach Matt Rule, they're 12 in the AP, they're 11 in the coaches' poll, and they're 7-0 and right now. So, you know, we're seeing this this steady increase of, of these schools, and it's funny how Oklahoma plays Kansas State, and Oklahoma is, is still 10th with one loss, but there's other teams trying to squeak up there. And Minnesota's 8-0. Minnesota's undefeated. They're playing Penn State. If they go 9-0, Penn State's considered to be the fifth-best team in both polls, and Minnesota's considered to be 13. So they got to jump substantially if this happens, but... How could they, you know, are they going to let Minnesota in? So, you know, they do have to expand the college football playoff. And I think that there's no doubt about the fact that they have to expand it because the reality of it all is even if the autonomous five were the only ones complaining about it, there's not five spots. So if the autonomous five are what everybody cares about, well, then there's always going to be one without representation. As long as the SEC is the SEC, there's always going to be two without representation because the SEC is going to take half of it. And I said it. If I saw Florida, Georgia, LSU, and Alabama in this year's college football playoff, I'd be totally okay with that because they're so good this year. And I think that any of them can still beat each other. And then you got Auburn on the outside of that. So I don't know how they live in a world where we could continue to have a four-team college football playoff when the SEC is going to get 50% of it, and Clemson more than likely is going to get the other one. So then you got a ton of schools fighting for one spot every year. Uh, you're exactly right. That's that's the way to put it. Uh, it. It needs to be changed. It needs to be altered. Uh, how they're going to do it, I don't know what the justification. There's certainly justification for it, but I don't know what parameters you use. But uh, I just look for good football games every weekend. And, of course, Florida-Georgia is, 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 to me, the number one game. But 
the SMU Memphis game. It, this this is going to be a heck of a game. You know, SMU started out at five and a half point favorites a week ago, and right now it's almost down to a pick'em game. And it's it's hard to believe that SMU is undefeated. Memphis is only one loss, and they going they're going into Memphis. Yet this is a pick'em game. No respect for SMU at all. No, no, not at all. And the thing is, Memphis is a tremendous team as well. But here on Halloween, we're going to see if two undefeated teams stay undefeated on Halloween itself. West Virginia will be at Baylor tonight, Georgia Southern at Appalachian State. Do you think that we have two of our unbeatens in the nation stay unbeaten on Halloween? Well, if, 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 if the roles were reversed, if Baylor was playing at, at West Virginia, I would say, yeah. Uh, but no, I think Baylor wins this game at West Virginia. What was the other one? Appalachian State will be playing Georgia Southern. No, Appalachian State will they'll they'll run the table. Appalachian State will run the table, and they'll uh, frankly they'll probably get into a, a decent bowl and where the school can make some money. You know what, what is their their athletic uh, budget? It's not very big, I'm sure. Certainly not a hundred million dollars like it is in Florida. Yeah. So they can you know they deserve to go to a good bowl and they deserve to make money. So let them do it. Good. Absolutely, and I think the two stay undefeated because I will say this. We won't have a full moon until next year on Halloween on 2020. If it was a full moon and black cats and all that stuff, we're talking about something else, PJ. But right now, it's not a full moon. And how about this? I asked this trivia question last night. When would be the next full moon on Halloween, which I just said is 2020? Do you know, after the full moon on tw- in 2020, do you know the next time there'll be a full moon on Halloween? No. 2039. Oh, I'll be dead by then, Daniel. My goodness. PJ, don't say that. We're keeping you around forever. That's what we're doing. I'll so, be looking at the moon for sure. Oh, my goodness. By myself. Oh, my goodness. So, Navy is playing this Friday. Navy is 6-1. and one. Back to feeling like Navy again. I love that sense of it. You're getting, you know, I'm getting that vibe from Navy, and I love that. Kenny Amatololo, tremendous coach. They're on the road at UConn. UConn is going to be an independent after this season. They have never had success in the American Athletic Conference for the most part. They're 2-6. and six this season and their only two wins have come outside of the conference against Wagner and UMass. So, you know, is there any thought that UConn could do anything to Navy? No, absolutely not. Uh, this guy, it, what's, it, I, can't, I can't pronounce his name. Kenny Amatololo. I'm just going to call him Kenny. All right. Okay. So, and he's, he does a great job at Navy. And frankly, he probably should uh, be up to a three or four million dollar job at one of the, one of the bigger schools. He does a great job with Navy. Uh, they're fun to watch, and uh, uh, he, he, he's, a, he's a really, really good recruiter and a great coach. Uh, th- this is no hiccup for Navy. They'll just roll right through. Yeah, I got, I got Navy winning this game as well. So Papa Joe and I this morning have gone even on everything here. We're picking Baylor over Western or West Virginia and then Georgia Southern going and meeting another undefeated team in Appalachian State. We're both picking Appalachian State, and as you just heard, we are both going with Navy on this one. So with that being said, yeah, go ahead. Georgia Tech was still coached by Paul Johnson, and at three yards in a cloud of dust uh, offense, I would be picking Georgia Southern, but not this year. Yeah, so we have have, have that, and we have that shaping up where we're at right now. So Michigan's going on the road to Maryland. Michigan just defeated Notre Dame pretty handily, 45-14 to 14 by 31 points. They're 6-2 and two on the season. Yet Maryland is, is that 
kind of strange team, kind of that like rabid dog that was bitten and might, or that was hit by, you know, maybe it, it, it's kind of like when a dog's in the street and it may have gotten hit by the car and they tell you not to go up to it because it may bite you. I still think that Maryland's got another good one to give. If So here's my question. Does Maryland win at home and get Michigan? I'm not going to call it a shocker because Maryland's done some good stuff this year, even though they only have three wins. Does Maryland beat Michigan? And then question two to that, does Jim Harbaugh lose his job immediately after if it happens? Michigan's coming off a great win. Uh, Maryland is not... Maryland's an enigma. Uh, after after watching them dismantle Syracuse, I thought, damn, these guys can these guys can score, and uh, they certainly haven't been consistent. Uh, I think the kids at Michigan realize that uh, Coach Harbaugh is on a hot seat, and maybe for whatever reason uh, they don't under they don't quite understand because he's a good man and a, a good coach and a good recruiter. Uh, but you got to win at these big schools. I mean, look at you're not going to save your job. If you go eight and three at Michigan, you're going to lose your job, and uh, Coach Harbaugh knows that. So, but this week there'll be no slipping up. They'll they'll pay attention to business and, and win easily. All right, Papa Joe is saying Michigan. I am going with the the theme of Halloween and the theme of, of mischief and trickery and, and all that good stuff. I'm saying that Maryland's going to win this game. I'm saying Maryland's going to pull off a. I think they got another one in them. This might be the one. Okay, well, it could be. And NC State has been all over the place this season. They looked terrible against Syracuse and still were able to beat them. This team has not done what I thought that they would do. They are four and three, but they're still coached by a good coach in Dave Doran, and they still have talented guys. They're going up against Wake Forest, who only has one loss this season in a shootout with Louisville, 62 to 59. Does Wake Forest win another game and go seven and one, or does NC State squeak one through? I like Wake Forest at home. The only reason, uh, actually, it started out to be a touchdown favorite. It'll probably move downward uh, toward game time, but I, I look for Wake to pull this one out. Yeah, I'm going to go with Wake Forest in this prediction as well. Uh, I think that Wake has has had a has really been building under Dave Clawson, who I've had the honor and the privilege to speak with over the years, pretty much his entire time that he's been at Wake Forest. And I don't know why people in Carolina that are in the media don't cover them. I don't understand why people seemingly don't care and kind of laugh them off like a little brother. They have been good for the past three seasons inside of the conference, inside of their division. And, you know, right now they got one loss, and I could see them getting to a really, really prominent, a good bowl game this year, and I'm hoping the best for them. Boston College at Syracuse. Boston College is known for defense and running the ball. Syracuse is known for not really doing anything right lately. What are your thoughts on this one? <laughs> that's a that's a very honest way of putting it. Uh, you know, it, it, this is a this is a pick'em game, uh, and the only reason I'm picking Syracuse is they're playing at home. Uh, it's if the tables were turned, I'd be on BC, but Syracuse should have enough uh, to beat BC at home. Yeah, you know, I'm going to pick Syracuse in this game, but I will not be surprised by any stretch of the imagination if former assistant coach Steve Adazio comes in here and gets a victory. I'll give Syracuse the slight edge of being at home and the fact that sometimes BC's offense can sputter, and that's the only reason why I'm doing what I'm doing here. Yeah, yeah, I I am going to this one with kid gloves. So let, let's, let's get into our 
our final pieces here, I'm going to, before we get to the big time one that I want to talk with you about, let's do the SMU in Memphis. College game day is going to be there on Friday. Sports Center will be there. College Football Live will be there. And then game day is there in the morning and all day through. It's the main game, Saturday, primetime, ABC, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. First time game day has ever been at Memphis. You got two top 25 teams going up against each other. Memphis has a loss that you can argue was stolen away by the refs. So this could be two undefeated teams, but between the two of them, only one loss. What is your thoughts on this one? Um, this is an also a pick'em game. This started out to be SMU by six points, and uh, the line has gone considerably down. Uh, SMU is not getting any respect out here at all. Uh, it, I can't understand why SMU is under is undefeated, beats some quality teams, goes into Memphis that is not favored. That's disrespect to me. However, I am picking SMU over Memphis in this game. I think they have a little bit too much. Uh, they, they have a lot that they have a lot to play for. Memphis, a fine team, going to make a good bowl team, uh, but I like SMU. Yeah, you know, I'm picking SMU in this game. I have tremendous respect for Sonny Dykes and Mike Norvell. You know, I, I would love it if they both could win this game. So because they can't, I'm giving a slight edge to SMU in this matchup. Final one is the one you've been waiting for, PJ. It's the one that you've been rubbing your hands together, not making a fire just because you're excited. Georgia and Florida are playing against each other. And guess what? I said that that Jacksonville connection, the Jaguars connection, and why they won't ever leave Jacksonville, at least not for the foreseeable future, is because of opportunities that they have even outside of the Jaguars. And that's when they have primetime SEC games at TIAA Bank like this. So that being the Georgia-Florida game that will be played on the Jacksonville Jaguars field this weekend at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on CBS. Georgia's in the top 10. Florida's in the top 10. Both of them have one loss, and neither neither one of them wants two as they move forward here. Who's winning this game? Uh, my, you know, my heart's got to go to Florida. I, I do think, though, I do think that Florida has enough to beat Georgia. Georgia's got a good defense. But, but again, uh, not to be... Con- trite about the sec every week the nation is going to see another great football game between two really super teams i mean these two these two teams uh are usually some of the best every year so uh, florida's offense looks pretty strong trask is coming on real strong they're getting back their number one receiver Kadarius stoney this week uh their number one defensive end and sack specialist is coming back so georgia's got to watch out here because this uh Florida could run away with us, but I'm picking Florida. It's a pick'em game, by the way, the the line, but I, I like Florida. Yeah, I'm going with Florida in this one, too. I'm, I'm going for them to hold down the field inside of their own you know, their, their own home state. I know that Georgia is very, very close, but I think that you know Georgia is a team that has obviously shown some weakness here already this season, and I think that they're going to drop another one. I don't think Georgia is, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, you know, not a good team this year, but I think that this team is going to, I mean, you look at the fact that, you know, too close, I mean, as South Carolina beat Georgia, Florida beat them. I think it kind of shows, you know, where the teams are right now. I think Florida's got a little bit more firepower. I think they win this game. I think Georgia has two losses. I think Florida takes control of the SEC East and sets up a showdown with either Alabama or LSU. And how about the sleeping giant? Alabama and LSU, they're just sitting pretty this week because they got their matchup next week. Boy, is that going to be some game. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the most watched game in college football this year. Uh, and it'll be a tough, tough game. Tough, tough defense, 
sensational players flying all over the field. Offense, defense, can't get any better than that. But you're going to get a microcosm of that this weekend with Florida, Georgia. And that's coming from long hair, don't care, Papa Joe, here on the broadcast. So with that being said, happy Halloween to you and to Mary. Have fun at your concert, and please feel better, and I'll look forward to talking with you soon. All right, thank you, Daniel. See you later. Take Bye. care. Yeah, coming from Papa Joe one more time. So we'll take a step aside here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and or I shall, shall I say Iron Man, with my Edith glasses, the goatee on point, and just, to me, looking the part all day, every day. So with that being said, we'll take a quick step aside on the show. When we come back, we'll be joined by the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, that is Mike Arrest.